This episode is made possible by PwC. When you bring together human ingenuity, passion, and experience with the latest technology, the future starts to look a whole lot smarter, which is why the new equation is meeting the future of work today with ProEdge. Digitally upskill your entire organization to keep ahead of the curve and drive growth. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. Week two of the NFL season. We are excited to be talking. We are excited. Uh, we have a treat this evening watching uh, live Seattle Seahawks at our Chicago Bears. Yeah, week two, uh, pretty much in the books. A lot of heartbreak already, a lot of glory, a lot of injuries starting to stack up. Uh, just a lot to talk about tonight. Yes, sir. I've, uh, I'm hoping the Bears can really hold off that Seahawks uh, offense a little bit uh, so I can stave off a win in my league that I need uh, Russell Wilson to not score 30 points in. What do you think? Um, I need all the Jordan Howard tonight. That's what I need. Let's do it. Knuckle up, boys. Yep. Uh, as always, we will start with our Gillette Close Shave of the Week. And this Whoa. week, I'm sure you can guess, it goes to... Uh, Patrick Mahomes, who threw for 326 yards, six touchdowns, and no interceptions on route to a road win in Pittsburgh. Uh, Mahomes looks like he's lightning in a bottle. Andy Reid uh, always has magic with his offense, but uh, Patrick Mahomes is the perfect fit, and he's got that rocket arm. So get your close shave like Pat Mahomes with Gillette, the best the man can get. We have been gushing about Pat Mahomes on this podcast at least since last year, I think. Maybe we've been holding it off since uh, since he wasn't even playing, but I know you and I both loved him forever. Not uh, you know, not tipping our own hats or anything, but this is this is what we saw. This is this is the talent this kid has. It's really amazing. Yeah, and uh, you know we're talking redraft tonight, but uh, I actually am working on an article uh, about why Patrick Mahomes is my dynasty QB one. Well, I'm letting you know that you are that he is not available in our dynasty league, Mom. Yes, I know, but uh, you know I tried to pry him away from you. But uh, shameless plug: if you want some dynasty info, you can head on over to dynastytradecalculator.com for some nice articles and the calculator. Great website. Always fun reads over there. Yep. Um, but let's move on to uh, our week three previews here. Thursday night football uh, opens up with a real barn burner for us. Uh, the New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns. Um, the Jets experienced some growing pains this week versus Miami. Uh, I definitely got a little ahead of myself after seeing the trouncing they gave the Detroit Lions. Uh, this defense will be Darnold's toughest test thus far. Blah Powell's a fine flex in PPR leagues, but I'd avoid Isaiah Crowell against this defense for sure. Uh, this week we saw the return of Terrell Pryor. Did not see that coming. Four, four catches, 84 yards on eight targets. He had some nice catches, but he's an unreliable option whose really only role from a fantasy standpoint is to damper expectations and basically ruin Robbie Anderson's fantasy hopes uh, so far this season. Uh, he is not startable right now. Quincy Anunwa, on the other hand, went 7 for 11, 92 yards, and has the looks of a Jarvis Landry last year type of PPR player this season. Good floor flex. I like him. 
Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, if Darnold can be accurate and keep this offense moving down the field, uh, Anunwa even has a shot to become a, a wide receiver too this year in PPR. Um, but other than that, I don't have a whole lot to add to what you said. I, I do agree that Bilal Powell will be preferable over Isaiah Crowell. I think uh, it's going to be a back-and-forth game with a, a lot of punts on Thursday night between these two teams. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got a short week for Cleveland, of course, as well for th- the Thursday night game. Josh Gordon is off the team, out of town. He got shipped off to New England with the Patriots. Uh, we'll talk about that more later. Uh, the Jets' defense does not really change what I do with this team. Tyrod Taylor has quarterback one upside. Uh, Carlos Hyde is a low-end running back two, maybe mid-range running back two for me, really, this game. 16 carries to two for Chubb and three for Duke Johnson. Uh, Landry's getting the targets. He's back to a weekly PPR wide receiver two slash flex, especially now that Gordon's gone. Uh, I guess they felt that Callaway has made Gordon expendable. Um uh, hold on Duke Johnson for now. He may benefit from the loss of Josh Gordon as well. Yeah, I do not have Tyrod Taylor as a QB1 right now. I think this Jets defense is a lot better than people think. Um, they started the year off strong, and I could see Cleveland struggling here. Uh, obviously, you're starting Landry. He should be just fine in PPR. And then the other thing I want to mention with Josh Gordon in New England now is Antonio Callaway. Uh, he has the opportunity here to step in as the number two guy behind Landry. Uh, now, I'm not super excited to start Callaway right away, but uh, particularly for leagues with deeper benches, he has that upside, especially if and when Baker Mayfield can t- take the field here for Cleveland. He has some upside with Jarvis, uh, with uh, Tyrod Taylor playing just because he likes to chuck that ball deep so frequently but if it wasn't for that deep ball catch he'd have a a nothing stat line without that one catch it was like three targets for 20 yards or something yeah absolutely and I think that's why I said you know I definitely wouldn't want to start him right away but again for me I I think if and when Mayfield can get on the field uh, he and Callaway can make some magic happen yep um after uh, first week tie with the Steelers, second week a tie deep into the game with uh, with the Saints. Looked like they might come away with the win. I think third time's a charm for the Cleveland Browns. I think this is the first win in the past three seasons for the Browns. I am not going to bet on the Browns because Ooh. I've learned my lessons. Give me the Jets here on Thursday night. All right. New Orleans and Atlanta kick off uh, Sunday afternoon football. Uh, the Saints gave their fans a scare, almost giving Cleveland their first win. Uh, the, Brown, the Browns' defense is actually pretty good, though. It's, it's a shame they're just put in these horrible situations. Breeze was fine, 250 yards, two touchdowns, and he usually gives us a nice starts versus Atlanta. Uh, the Browns did a good job against Elvin Kamara, and by good, I mean they held him to 100 yards with no touchdowns. That's that's a disappointing day for Elvin Kamara owners, believe that or not. Uh, you're starting him, and Thomas, who went uh, 12 catches on 13 targets for 89 yards and another two touchdowns this guy's an absolute monster uh, Mike Gillisley and Williams are not getting it done at all if you can acquire Mark Ingram for a low-end flex player or something like that I would do it if uh, if his owner's 0-2 and needs a player badly for for Mark Ingram I you know I, I'd take Ingram off his hands um New Orleans would love to get another running back to take off load, the load off Kamara's shoulders. Uh, he clearly is not necessarily getting it done on the ground, rushing between the tackles. They want to get him a little bit of spell back, a little bit of break to keep him fresh and keep him you know, having that insane touchdown-to-touch uh, ratio that we saw last year. 
Yeah, and really, you got to remember that even though it's been a slow start here for New Orleans losing to Tampa Bay and almost losing to Cleveland, uh, they have playoff aspirations, so they obviously want to save Kamara a little bit, or Kamara, oh, yeah. um, for the playoffs if they can. So I definitely agree with trying to get Ingram if you can. Um, I think that'll be a theme tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about Aaron Jones later as well. Uh, but really, uh, I wanted to start off here uh, and say something that's not particularly fantasy relevant, but I just thought was super interesting. And that's the fact that even in 2018, announcers are still throwing shade at Manti Teo. Uh, <laughs> I recall after one play yesterday in the Saints game, uh, the announcer said something along the lines of, like, that was definitely not an imaginary tackle. Oh, that's dirty. <laughs> um, so anyway, <laughs> oh, uh, people never forget. Nope. And uh, anyways. Shout uh, out to uh, Renai Tuyasa Sopo. Thanks, man, for making it all happen. <laughs> um, anyways. I think Drew Brees should be a fine QB1 in this game. Uh, no Keanu Neal, no Deion Jones for Atlanta. I think this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game all around here. Uh, of course, you're starting Kamara and Thomas. Uh, and Ted Ginn is still that boomer bust flex play, but it's interesting to note that he did have the second-most targets here behind Michael Thomas. Um, and then finally, as for Ben Watson, you'll recall I was very high on him uh, in the preseason, and I, I'm not giving up on him just yet. Uh, even though his stat line was a little disappointing here, just three catches for 19 yards on five targets, um, the one thing that the box score doesn't show is that Drew Brees barely missed him when he was wide open on a goal line play action pass here. Um, with that touchdown, uh, he would have had a much better day. Uh, Watson clearly has some plays drawn up for him in the red zone here, so I still like him as a tight end two streamer. We have plenty of bye weeks coming up this season where Watson will probably be a great slot uh, into your lineup. Uh, for Atlanta, uh, Matt Ryan looked much better this week. My concerns are, are completely at ease. He's a decent stream at home versus New Orleans. Tevin Coleman did what he does when uh, Devontae Freeman's out. 16 carries, 107 yards, four catches for 18 yards, a running back one this week, and most weeks that Devontae Freeman doesn't play. Edo Smith did cut into his workload some, but not enough to be upsetting, just enough to keep him spelled keep those legs fresh. I like it. I, I don't uh, don't buy into the unreliable numbers for Austin Hooper or Calvin Ridley just yet, especially not Austin Hooper. We've seen him have weeks like this and then disappear off the face of the earth for the rest of the season. This is this is the same old song and dance with him. Uh, Calvin Ridley may become a factor later in the season. Just keep an eye on him. Keep uh, you know, keep your ears peaked or whatever whatever that saying is. Yep, I think uh, Matt Ryan heard all the all the comments and all the insults being thrown his way about the red zone offense. So he uh, he just bullied his way in for a rushing touchdown. He was sick of hearing yeah. it. Um, I think he'll be a fine low-end QB1 again this week. Uh, this is a pretty good matchup. Uh, the Saints haven't been able to stop anyone yet this year. Uh, to your point, Coleman, uh, I have him as a solid RB2 with Freeman out again. Um, we'll talk about Freeman a little bit more in our injury section but he's out for at least this week and probably next week as well. Um, of course, you're starting Julio, but as you said, no one else is really worth trusting on Atlanta here. Uh, Calvin Ridley, definitely an interesting guy. Uh, he's a big play waiting to happen at any given moment, but um, really he's someone who could emerge more as the season progresses. Again, not someone that I would not necessarily rely on starting outside of deep leagues just yet. Despite that Saints uh, offense, give me the Atlanta Falcons at home this week. Yeah, I, I, this one could really go either way, but I will take Atlanta as well. As well. San Francisco at the Kansas City Chiefs. San Francisco hung on tight and got that win versus Detroit. Detroit was surging strong late. Uh, this will be a week full of offensive opportunity for the uh 
for the 49ers. Uh, I love Matt Breida this week as a PPR running back, too. Al Morris has good flex value there. There's better options. There's worse, too, but I, I'd, be, I'd feel very safe with him in my lineup. Uh, Mung, you got a little too excited about George Kittle this past week, but I think he definitely is t- tight end one, definite top five tight end potential this week versus Kansas City. Pettis and Garcon may realize that flex value they should have had this week also just one week a little late. Lots of points expected this game. Yeah, I was very high on George Kittle. And, um, you know, again, the box score doesn't reflect it, but much like Ben Watson, uh, you know, Garoppolo just missed Kittle for another open touchdown here. Um, and Jesse James just had a big, big game against the Chiefs yesterday. So I, I still have Kittle as a top five tight end once again this week, despite a letdown in week two. Um, but overall, I, I love San Francisco this week. It seems like whoever Kansas City plays this year, you're going to want to start those guys too. Look at Big Ben, look at Antonio Brown and Juju, um, you know, because the Chiefs are going to put up points and the other side is going to need to answer back. Uh, I like Garoppolo here as a low-end QB1 this week. Uh, Breda and Morris are both flex plays, though I much prefer Breda and what should be a, a shootout, really, um, where both teams are going to air it out. And if Marquise Goodwin can play with that quad contusion, he did miss, miss, excuse me, miss week two. Um, I like Goodwin a lot as a wide receiver three with upside. Um, if Goodwin is out again, then I do like Dante Pettis as a desperation, high-risk, high-reward wide receiver four. Didn't show us that uh, what we were hoping for this week. But this coming week, it will happen. Trust us. Uh, as for Kansas City, what a what a ludicrous, ridiculous offensive output so far. Ten touchdowns, record-setting through, uh, through the first two games of the season for Pat Mahomes. Uh, they will slow down, but I don't know if San Francisco is exactly the de- defense to make them hit that road bump. Pat Mahomes is a quarterback one, of course. Hunt is a one. Kelsey is a one and showed us why not to forget about him. Seven catchers, 109 yards, and two touchdowns. Awesome. Tyreek Hill has weekly wide receiver one upside and wide receiver two floor. I, I legitimately believe that. I don't see him turning in a bad week for you anytime this week uh, unless you know unless something crazy happens sammy watkins got going finally six catches 100 yards on seven targets 30 yards additional running uh for me he's a weekly flex consideration with unfortunately he does have a bottomless zero to one point floor but sky high absolute wide receiver one upside in this offense just wait till he starts scoring some touchdowns this is so much fun to watch yeah i mean Going back to Tyreek Hill, I, you know, I've, I've loved him for a couple years now, if, if any of you remember from the podcast last year. But honestly, at this point, I would consider him a, a top five, top three, maybe even wide receiver. I mean, who are you trusting more right now besides guys like Antonio Brown and, and Julio Jones? And, and I might even take Hill over Jones. Yeah, I can. I trust him. He's more consistent than Jones. Maybe just Michael Thomas. But but yeah, I definitely yeah, to def- your point. Yeah, Michael Consistency Thomas is king. Yeah, not. I mean, both the high floor and sky high upside. I mean, that's really the the perfect combination that you want from any fantasy player, right? That's. I mean, that's pra- that's practically. Sorry, that's practically the reason that we draft running backs early. It's because they have that floor of guaranteed touches with the upside of getting touchdowns. Yep, and uh, honestly, I would say that this Kansas City offense is the best in the league. Do you disagree? No, I don't disagree. I, I mean, the efficiency that uh, that well, it might be early to crown them. You know, you want to crown their their bottom, crown them to quote Denny Green. But uh, the the efficiency that they moved the ball on Pittsburgh, 
I he had half the attempts as Ben Roethlisberger in that last game and scored six touchdowns. Just it's really good. Can I give them the best? I can give them maybe they're the best. Okay. Um, but regardless, I mean, you put a cannon arm with Mahomes' you know, just smarts. I mean, he made good decisions. He put the ball exactly where it needs to go. And then you match him with Andy Reid, and it's perfect. Who are you going to stop as a defense, right? It's a lose-lose situation. You stop That's the it. thing. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go on. No, no. Go ahead. I just think that we haven't seen a true test yet. These next couple weeks, he's got uh, Jacksonville coming up. Now, this week won't be a test, but he's got Jacksonville, I think, week four. And then week five is... Uh... Oh, come on. Don't slow me down. Come on. Keep flying. Do you need to uh, upgrade your internet no. here, Lewis? Here we go. We've got Denver week four, Jacksonville week five. Those will be two true tests for him right there. Um, it, I mean... Is if Denver he, really has, a test anymore? Yeah, they're a test. They're they're definitely a top ten defense. It's not like throwing the ball against you know Pittsburgh without Joe Hayden. Okay. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm certainly excited to see those games. I think that's going to be, uh, like you said, the test will be very interesting to watch. I think they'll pass the flying colors here, but uh, I, I hope mean, so. There's it's it. You know, as a defense, you're between a rock and a hard place because we saw for basically the entire first half, Pittsburgh was saying, we're not going to let Tyreek Hill beat us. And as a result, Travis Kelsey just dominated. Um, yep. And then when they tried to slow him down, then Watkins really just, you know, <laughs> who are you going to stop here? The, the, the Steelers had no chance. And, you know, that led to nice days for Kelsey and Watkins. And Tyreek Hill eventually got his. My biggest concern here is for Kareem Hunt owners. Um, yeah. If you started Hunt, he bailed you out with a touchdown. But he really, other than that, he other than that one touchdown catch, he had 75 yards rushing. That was it. Um, you know, Andy Reid doesn't need to run the ball here, and he always forgets to regardless. Um, but really, Hunt wasn't that involved in the offense. Even when they split him out wide um, with an empty backfield, you know, he really didn't get targeted at all because Mahomes has the arm and he has the mobility to extend plays and not check it down. Uh, unlike Alex Smith, and I think with the state of the defense, the Chiefs are going to be in a lot of shootouts. And honestly, if I were a Kareem Hunt owner, I would sell right now if you can get even like 80% of his value because I don't think he's going to finish this year as an RB1. Uh, you know, I would maybe inquire about like a guy, like you said, Mark Ingram plus someone else if you need help at wide receiver or something. Um, I would try to sell Hunt right now. Do you agree with that? No, I I can't agree with that. I think I think this is the pit of the hole for his value right now. I think he's got nowhere to go, but uh, he he will improve. The touchdowns will come. There there is a regression to the mean coming. There will be more rushing touchdowns. There will be fewer than five passing touchdowns each game. There's there's no question about that. And not every team that they play will have a phenomenal offense like the Steelers, where Pat Mahomes will have to keep throwing in order to just keep up and keep plowing through in order to win, get, win games like this. Hunt will get game scripts, and he doesn't need game scripts because he's a good pass-catching running back. We just haven't needed to see it just far. I mean, you know, after week one, people could have said, hey, let me sell off Travis Kelsey, and then what did he do? Turned around 100 yards, two touchdowns. Very feasible, this game here, for Kareem Hunt to turn in two receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Okay, so then let me ask you this. Would you say that he finishes the year as a top 12 running back in PPR? Yes, I definitely do. Okay, you want to make a bet on that? Because I think no. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. Sure. All right. Um, but uh, you're, you're taking the Chiefs here, right, at home? Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs. I mean, we, we've seen what he can do so far with his accuracy. All we've really seen is his deep ball and his accuracy. We haven't even seen him run the football yet. We haven't seen him have to. You know, that's wow. really funny because I made a mental note before we started recording this that I was going to talk about that and bring that point up. And thank <laughs> you for, thank you, for uh, you know, filling in for me because he has, he has the ability to make plays like Terrell Pryor when he was a quarterback and Marcus Mariota with that 80-yard touchdown run like a year or two ago. Um, and that's an addition to his arm. So, yeah, absolutely right. All right, let's uh, let's move on before everybody starts ha- getting annoyed with us. Oakland at Miami. Uh, Derek Carr should be fine in Miami, but there are no bye teams yet. I, I don't see a reason that you should go out of your way to start him. Uh, Marshawn Lynch should be able to stay on the field as a good running back two option this game. Amari Cooper had his first really good game in a while. 10 of 10, 100% catch percentage. That's that's really nice. 116 yards, that's really nice. No no touchdown, that, that could improve, but hey, you know, uh, he's a wide receiver two option with clear upside, unfortunate downside, as his owners have seen, but that talent is true. I was a little high on Jared Cook, who finished just outside of a tight end one standing this week, though he was darn close to receiving touchdown, got to the two-yard line. This was also a huge week for, like, every tight end in the NFL in general, with Eight tight ends scoring over 14 points. You know, I, I really put myself in a hole calling him a tight end one this week. E- yeah, I'm still not unhappy with with coming out of nowhere with that, especially after that tight end uh, perfor- after that performance he gave us in week one. Before I even seen him take a snap. I'm uh, I'm hearing a lot of excuses here, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just messing with you. In all honesty, Denver's usually a very good matchup for tight ends. Um, like you said, just didn't happen. Uh, he was very close to a touchdown. Um, at Miami, though, I'd probably avoid Derek Carr on the road again. He really hasn't put up any really good weeks yet. And then, uh, ooh, is that a safety by the Bears? No, no, very close. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know how you can trust Derek Carr as more than just a low-end QB2 this week. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, I think he'll be a decent RB3 or flex play as long as they can keep this game close or take the lead even. Um, as you said with Cooper, he's he's got a high ceiling still, but we've seen his low floor. So um, I'm just going to still have him as a low-end wide receiver, too, for right now until we see some more consistency from both Cooper and the Oakland offense in general. Uh, obviously, I'm not touching Jordy Nelson or, Mart- or Martavis Bryant. And I think Jared Cook uh, does have uh, – I do have him as a high-end tight end, too. So I'll, I'll concede that uh, you, you make some fair points, Los. This is just what he does, though. You know, games where he's supposed to have 10 catches, 150 yards, he gets, like, two catches and a drop in the end zone. That, that's just the Jared Cook life, yep. ladies and gentlemen. Yep. <sighs> if you think that was ugly, now it's time to talk about Miami. This is a tough, tough team to rely on for fantasy. Ryan Tannehill will never crack a top-12 projection for me this season. Kenyon Drake and Gore are in a pretty even time share for now in an offense that is similar in running back usage to Baltimore, but puts up fewer, far fewer points. I just don't like anybody here. Kenny Stills was held to two catches for 17 yards, and he's really the only guy I can get behind. Drake, Gore, and Still are flex plays, just not good ones, and that'll cover it. Yep, uh, the Dolphins might be 2-0 here and leading the AFC East, but... 
that doesn't mean they're good for fantasy purposes. Uh, Drake is the only running back I would start. I have him as an RB3 or a flex play, um, despite Frank Gore uh, passing Curtis Martin on the all-time rushing yards list. Uh, with all due respect to him, I, I won't be starting him anywhere in fantasy. Um, really, with Devontae Parker potentially returning here, Kenny Stills has always been a little bit of a boomer bust wide receiver three. Uh, we know his ceiling is still high, but his floor could be even lower now. Um, so, you know, start him at your own risk. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Mike Kosicki was a hot commodity in the preseason. Um, <laughs> just a good reminder here that uh, the moral of the story here is to avoid rookie tight ends. Um, for the most part, Evan Ingram last year was definitely an anomaly. You know, it, uh, it's t- I don't want to do this, but I don't expect Oakland to travel well uh, to the East Coast. Give me Miami at home this week. Yeah, give me the potentially 3-0 and uh, AFC East leaders, Miami. Amazing. Buffalo at Minnesota, part of the reason that Miami's in the lead. Uh, the only legitimate here option uh, the only legitimate option here is LaShawn McCoy. Nine carries, 39 yards, four catches, 29 yards, and a tough, tough defensive matchup here versus Minnesota. I'd not start him if I could avoid it. Uh, things may get better as the season goes on, though. I, I definitely would not drop LaShawn McCoy. No, I definitely would not drop him either. Uh, we saw that he's actually playing okay uh, with Josh Allen there, um, and he is getting that volume, so I think he still is a flex play going forward. That said, uh, this week McCoy has cracked rib cartilage after an offensive lineman fell backwards onto him yesterday. Um, he's officially questionable for week three, but even if he is active and playing, uh, I'm not starting him on the road at Minnesota when he's not at 100% health. Um, I'm starting zero Bills players on the road uh, against the Vikings here. It was the Vikings' turn to break my heart this week. Bears week one, Vikings week two. Three missed field goals to allow the Packers to escape the lost column and get the tie. Uh, won't be the case for Buffalo this week, obviously, at home for the Vikings. If you've got them, start them all. Even Latavius Murray in the flex. Um, Dalvin Cook may be limited this game, may not play this game, or this game may be blown out so far that Latavius Murray gets very decent, very relevant running back to slash flex type stats uh, this Sunday. I'd have highlighted the huge day for Kirk Cousins, but he was like the fifth best quarterback this week, despite 400 yards for four touchdowns. Could have even made, uh, you know, the Gillette close shave, have it shaving that ball in to Adam Thielen between two defenders into the end zone. Loved it. Yeah, he was actually a, a candidate. Uh, I, I thought about it, uh, but ultimately I went with uh, Mahomes here. But definitely a great matchup for the Vikings players here. You're starting Cousins and Diggs and Thielen. Um, like you said, the only fear here is a blowout so big that you know the Vikings bench their starters early on. Uh, Rudolph should be fine as well. He's a nice high-end tight end two, maybe low-end tight end one here. Um, the big question here is whether Dalvin Cook's going to play after a hamstring cramp against Green Bay. Um, it doesn't sound very serious, but uh, it is important to note that Cook was not able to return to the game, uh, even during some crucial drives late in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Uh, of course, he would have wanted to be in if possible, and he just wasn't able to. So if Cook plays, uh, obviously he's an RB1. Um, if he's out, then Latavius Murray could be a high-end RB2 this week. Give me the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I would imagine the Vikings are favored by what, like 14 and a half? I, I think I saw somewhere it was like 17, but I, I don't remember. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
Jeez. Indianapolis at Philadelphia. Andrew Luck is a lower-end quarterback one for me this week. He has not shown us much luck, much greatness with multiple interceptions through two games. And this is a pass rush that gets to the quarterback. Luck is a quarterback who takes hits and takes sacks behind this O-line. Uh, you could be in store for another sub-15 point showing from Andrew Luck. I'm avoiding all three heads of this running back committee monster. You can keep him on your bench if you have room. I think Marlon Mack has the highest upside season long. Just don't touch him this week. Start T.Y. Hilton this week, but no other pass catchers. Uh, Ryan Grant just reminded us why we don't always buy in on unestablished wide receivers despite nice, solid weeks. And the tight ends continue to make a horrible conundrum for fantasy owners. Eric Ebron got the touchdown. Jack Doyle dominated the snap counts as well as the, uh, and he had one more target. I'm still waiting for some consistency in this tight end core before touching either of them. I don't know that we're going to get that consistency, but if I did have to pick a Colts tight end here, I would still go with Ebron. Um, despite the, the snap share and the target share, while Doyle may lead there, Ebron seems to be getting more usage in the red zone and near the goal line, and as far as tight ends go in fantasy, touchdowns are what matter. Um, I would prefer Ebron as a, as a high-end tight end too, even though Philadelphia is not the greatest matchup here, but we did see what O.J. Howard was able to do. Um, and then as for the rest of the Colts, you pretty much summed up my thoughts here. Luck, just a mid-range QB2 this week with a tough matchup on the road with uh, you know against a very good pass rush. And T.Y. Hilton's really the only reliable play here. Uh, I've got him as a low-end wide receiver too. And given the complete and utter confusion at running back, you know maybe Marlon Mack has the most upside long-term. Uh, I don't even know if I agree with that. Uh, I'm a Jordan Wilkins fan myself, but... Regardless, uh, you just can't trust any of these guys, and I would avoid all the indie running backs until further notice. As for your reigning defending Super Bowl champions of the universe, Carson Wentz is finally back this week, just in time for a good matchup versus a poor Indianapolis defense that should allow them to run the ball frequently to help ease his transition back. If Ajay is healthy, I like him as a running back too this week. Zach Ertz is a weekly tight end one with another 13 targets this week. He got back on track with a nice 11 catches, 94 yards. And Nelson Aguilar is a solid PPR flex play, especially if Mike Wallace is out, which he ex uh, expects to be for some time. And if Alshon Jeffrey can't uh, come back into this offense. Even if he does, Jeffrey has that history with hamstrings always hobbling him. I really like Nelson Ag Aguilar here. Yep, I've got Aguilar as a wide receiver too, actually, in PPR. Um, really, uh, Carson Wentz back is good news for the Philly faithful in general. Um, I'll have Wentz ranked as a, a low-end QB1 this week with a good matchup against the Colts. Uh, however, just to note, if you drafted Wentz, I'm sure you drafted another quarterback to fill in for the first few weeks. Um, if you happen to hit on a guy like Mahomes or Kirk Cousins, I I'd see about trading Wentz to a quarterback-needy team. Uh, Philadelphia's offensive line is banged up right now with Jason Peters. Uh, their wide receiver depth is a little iffy here with Wallace potentially done for the season. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, we don't know when he'll be back. Uh, Matt Collins is on injury reserve as well. I just don't know that Wentz is going to be a, a top-tier quarterback one even after he comes back like he was last year. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily like have to sell him, but I would just inquire uh, what his value is right now. Um, as for Jay Ajayi, I, I don't know that, you know, he's going to be a solid RB2. I have him more as a flex play or, or a high-end RB3, but um, certainly uh, we'll keep an eye on his back issue here. 
Um, if he plays, he should be a decent uh, flex play. But Sproles is also dealing with an injury right now. Missed this past week with a hamstring issue. Um, if both of those guys happen to be out, then Corey Clement could become an interesting waiver wire ad late in the week. Uh, possible flex play if he steps in. Beyond that, uh, you're starting you're starting Aguilar and you're starting Ertz, of course, as a top tight end. Definitely a guy I'd spend a buck or two on. Uh, give me your reigning defending Super Bowl champions to handle the Colts at home. Yeah, I think the, the crowd is going to be going nuts here in, in the first week. Wentz is coming back. I think all the momentum is going to be with the Eagles. The crowd is always nuts in Philadelphia. People are just nuts in that city in general. <laughs> well, you're not wrong there. <laughs> Green Bay, you had to be Washington Redskins. <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers gets the tie on a couple of missed field goals, like I talked about. Such is life for a Bears fan, right? Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Randall Cobb will be fine plays for you this week. Aaron Jones returns from suspension this game, but we don't exactly know what the workload will be. Jamal Williams, to me, is clearly the better pass protector, the more reliable player, the player that Mike McCarthy trusts more. I, I would try to avoid him this week, though, if possible, due to uncertain uh, between usage between the two backs and Ty Montgomery's always there breathing down their necks he hasn't done much to uh, scare me though uh, definitely would keep Aaron Jones on the bench for now Jimmy Graham actually had a usable week six catches on eight targets for 95 yards but those targets are just not reliable in this offense for the tight end they haven't been for years and they won't be this season yeah I, I the targets aren't reliable, but Graham did do well, and he actually did have a long touchdown called back by a holding penalty as well. Um, that certainly would have helped his weekly finish, but overall, I still have him as a mid-range tight end one this week. He gets a decent matchup against the Redskins here. Uh, and last week, I had Rodgers as just a very low-end quarterback one facing the Vikings with uh, his knee not being 100%. Um, he actually finished as the quarterback 18, uh, so definitely not the greatest week for him uh, by his standards at least. But he should be back to a top-tier quarterback one again this week. And then running back-wise, I actually dropped Jamal Williams in, in a couple of shallower leagues last week because he really didn't look good at all against Chicago week one. Um, I didn't expect him to do much against the Vikings, which he did not. Uh, and I think Aaron Jones is going to get a shot here to become the lead back coming back from his suspension here. Um, if he can seize that opportunity, I think, you know, even if he gets maybe 60% of the touches in an offense led by Aaron Rodgers, he can be a PPR RB2. He's definitely my choice uh, of the Green Bay backfield here. Um, definitely needs to be owned if he wasn't drafted or got dropped early on in the season. And, of course, you're starting Adams uh, as wide receiver one, Cobb as wide receiver two, uh, and Allison can be a boomer bust wide receiver four as well. As for the Washington Redskins, Alex Smith let me down this week. The whole team really let us down versus a Colts defense that was primed to allow plenty of fantasy points to be scored. Washington will have to keep pace with Green Bay again, of course. Chris Thompson led the offense with 13 catches for 92 yards, a paltry one-yard rushing. Adrian Peterson was held to 20 yards on 11 carries. Either should be decent flex plays this week. Uh, I'd write Chris Thompson out as long as he's healthy. I'd write out Jordan Reed as long as he's healthy for that matter, too. Uh, these wide receivers, though. I just don't see anything resembling true upside whatsoever or any consistent double-digit even production from any of them. No bueno. There's a reason Kansas City traded away Alex Smith, and, and we saw why this week. Uh, he can regress so quickly, and the whole offense is going to be limited a little bit by it. Uh, this should have been a game where, uh, well, frank, quite frankly, they should have won, but... Uh, 
you know, this week against Green Bay, I think they're going to try and pound the ball with Adrian Peterson. Uh, they obviously want to limit the amount of time that Aaron Rodgers gets with the ball. And while both of these running backs are startable as flex plays, I do prefer Chris Thompson. Um, I think that as much as they're going to try and keep the ball away from Rodgers, uh, it is going to be, uh, you know, a game where they're going to need to keep pace with the Packers. Uh, and as you said, none of these wide receivers is reliable right now. Uh, Crowder would still be my pick of all of them, but you're certainly not comfortable starting him. Uh, there are probably better options on the waiver wire. And then Jordan Reed looks to be a good low end tight end one as long as he can stay healthy, even though that snap count is definitely limiting his upside. I hate doing it, but I'm picking the Packers, obviously. Yeah, give me the Packers on the road. Cincinnati at Carolina, the Battle of Big Cats. Nice AFC North win for Cincinnati, but a tough break losing Joe Mixon for a few weeks due to a little cleanup surgery to his knee. Uh, Gio Bernard is a decent add in PPR leagues for a flex start this week. In standard, I don't really love him, but if, if you're really hurting, he's probably worth going after. The other issue is we don't know what rookie Mark Walton might do with this offense. The rookie running back has been inactive both weeks thus far. We don't know if that's because we were holding him out and, you know, if something happened to Mixon, he becomes the guy, or if he's just going to slot in uh, alongside Giovanni Bernard. It's also tough to tell because he's a very similar player uh, to Giovanni Bernard in terms of skill set. He really didn't do much in the preseason to impress any of us, though. Uh, A.J. Green was beastly, three touchdowns on five catches for 69 yards. Start him, but don't expect a repeat this week. Uh, Tyler Boyd can be a sneaky add, in my opinion, after nine targets with low tight end usage thus far. Uh, this week, he's playing the, the tight ends are playing a strong linebacking core with Luke Keekley, and the Carolina defense just showed that they can hold Julio Jones to a pedestrian day in check. I expect them to try and do the same thing to A.J. Green. So for that reason, if you're hurting, I think Tyler Boyd might be a good answer for a flex play. Yeah, I, I guess Andy Dalton's kind of trustworthy as a high-end quarterback, too, if you need help mm. at the position. But, you know, he, Dalton's <laughs> one of those guys that you just never feel great about starting, especially on the road. Um, with Joe Mixon out here for two to four weeks with that knee scope, uh, Giovanni Bernard steps into a workhorse role. Uh, he should be an instant RB2 in PPR. Um, if you need short-term help at running back, Bernard should fill in nicely. <coughs> Definitely a target we'll talk about on the waiver wire section. Um, as you said, Green will surely regress in that touchdown department, but I, I don't know that you can bench him. Uh, you're starting him. Uh, Tyler Boyd is interesting, mostly because he was a very highly touted rookie coming out of Pitt a couple of years ago, and it's possible that he just needed some time to develop. Uh, you know, a lot of fantasy owners uh, are not that patient. Uh, and, and, you know, this is year three for him. This is a typical breakout year for wide receivers. Um, certainly if he maintains that kind of target share as the number two wide receiver in Cincinnati, uh, we'll definitely talk about him more in the waiver wire section as well. And Eifert did very little. Uh, he's still on that snap count, so I wouldn't trust him as more than just a desperation tight end to play here, uh, especially, as you said, facing Luke Keekley on the road. For the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton had another nice day. He remains a quarterback one, three touchdowns in the air, 50 yards rushing, 
We saw that expected target uptick for McCaffrey with Olsen injured. 14 catches on 15 targets, 102 yards, only eight rushes for 37 yards, uh, but a running back one for now. C.J. Anderson was noticeably frustrated on the sideline, having only three carries for 31 yards. Um, that's great for McCaffrey believers and owners. Even better is that, that easy pass that clanged off C.J. Anderson's hands and uh, led to a, t- uh, led to a uh, turnover. Devin Funches went 7 of 9 for 77. He's fine as a PPR flex. I don't love him. I don't hate him. Uh, touchdowns were uh, caught by DJ Moore, Jairus Wright, and Torrey Smith. Project that out, experts. I, I dare you. Yeah, and as we see here, McCaffrey's going to be a top five PPR running back for as long as Greg Olson's out. Uh, he's functioning as both Carolina's primary ball carrier as well as their top receiver. Um, as a result, Funch is going to be a little bit of a boomer bust guy. Um, I have him as a wide receiver three this week. And while we saw that tantalizing upside with DJ Moore, uh, I think he's, he's still just a rookie. He's going to have big ups and big downs uh, as a fantasy wide receiver five. And the other thing uh, I will bring up is that Ian Thomas, uh, the rookie tight end who's filling in for Olsen, did drop a touchdown, which, uh, you know, may keep him as somewhat of a sleeper. I think he's still going to be a risk-reward tight end streamer going forward with Olsen out. I will take uh, the Carolina Panthers in the Battle of the Cats. Yeah, I think in real life a Bengal Tiger would probably win, but uh, I'll take take the Panthers uh, in football. I don't know. Panthers are pretty vicious. They're, you know, they're they're black jaguars. Aren't they a little bit smaller though? Aren't tigers like five, six hundred pounds? Yeah, but they sleep all day. Haven't you been to the zoo? <laughs> I have not been to the zoo in some time, so I'll have to well, check that out. You ought to get back. Uh, Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Speaking of, uh, this Tennessee offense is just so ugly. I don't want anybody here, especially not against Jacksonville. Try to avoid everyone if you can. Uh, I guess except Deion Lewis should have some PPR upside. Pro- probably running back two upside here. I'd honestly try to avoid everybody else, though. That said, after this game, I might actually try to buy Corey Davis on the cheap if his owner's in uh, hurting in desperate need. His usage is uptrending. I love his talent, especially once Mariota gets healthy, and he's just not going to have a good day versus Jacksonville regardless. Yeah, Mariota's going to be questionable here for week three. After he was probable to play all week, uh, Gabbert was a surprise start here. Uh, it sounds like Mariota's dealing with numbness in his elbow and his throwing hand, so it's going to be an issue until it goes away. And we just don't know how long it's going to take. Could be a week, could be more. Uh, but really, Mariota wasn't exactly lighting it up before he got hurt anyway. For I would say he's droppable in shallower leagues. Um, I don't like Derrick Henry uh, against a very good Jacksonville run defense. And Deion Lewis, for me, is just a desperation RB4 this week. But he does have some upside. Uh, if you're hoping that he catches a lot of short passes, kind of like James White did, um, that's probably the best plan of attack against Jacksonville. And the only guy, you know, the only other guy I'd consider is Corey Davis. He should get a lot of targets, even though that coverage is going to be tough to shake. Uh, just a wide receiver for the for me this week. The Jaguars knocked off the Patriots in a big way without Leonard Fournette even putting his cleats on. Wow. 377 yards and four touchdowns with one interception for Blake Bortles. 
Keelan Cole made some circus-style catches for seven catches, eight targets, 116 yards, and a touchdown. He's the top option so far this year on this team, and I think that will remain Unlike last year's lottery game or dice toss or Yahtzee or pin the tail on the donkey or dart throws or whatever you want to call it that they're playing down in Jacksonville. D.D. Westbrook, four catches on 83 yards for a touchdown. Dante Moncrief, four catches, 34 yards and a touchdown. They all were fine, but like I said, Colin is the guy. Uh, Westbrook is an upside flex, and I'd wait on Moncrief to show some consistency in usage. He is still listed as the starter. I don't really think that matters. The running backs, though, were, were disappointing to all four net owners who thought they had a suitable replacement spending their fab budget on T.J. Yeldon, who only had 10 carries, 58 yards with two catches for 13, to Corey Grant's four, rush, four rushes and six catches for 50 yards. You, I think you need to look outside of Jacksonville for a replacement running back uh, for net owners. Maybe you can get by this week versus Tennessee, but, but if you're worried about four net long term during the season, you, you've got to find another option as soon as possible. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I think uh, T.J. Yeldon should be fine this week. I like him as a low-end RB2. Uh, he'll be a decent fill-in against a not-great Titans team, especially if Mariota's out again. Uh, as to the quarterback, I, I, um, I guess I guess start Blake Bortles. He's, <laughs> he's kind of like Dalton in that he might pleasantly surprise you or he might throw three interceptions. Uh, you just never know. Um, if Fournette plays, of course you're starting him. But like I said, if he's out again, Yeldon should be fine. Um, you know, the wide receivers are tough to sort out. Even with that big day from Keelan Cole, I do like Cole the best out of the bunch as a boomer bust wide receiver three play. Uh, but I would definitely like him even more if Dante Moncrief can't go with that knee injury that he suffered against the Patriots here. Um, something to monitor throughout the week if you own any of those guys. And finally, Austin Sferian Jenkins got his touchdown, but he's still just a tight end two streamer. I'm taking the Jaguars. Yep, give me the Jaguars. Denver at Baltimore. Case Keenum put out a real stinker in what should have been a great matchup for him. He will have some weeks like that, uh, but the talent of his wide receivers will also carry him in some weeks. Sanders and Thomas are both wide receivers with the upside uh, and floors that won't kill you, but they could make things tough with their floor, unfortunately. Uh, this running back committee is killing me, literally. Though, where did this Lindsey kid come from? Seriously. Free Royce Freeman. This is injustice. If I wanted a Cinderella story, I'd move to Orlando. Both are flexes, but I'd seriously consider starting a big upside flex wide receiver instead if, it, if able. For example, like Sammy Watkins this week, who was drafted one to two rounds later than Royce Freeman was. Heck, Quincy Inunua even, probably in a PPIR. Yeah, I, I would start him over Royce Freeman this week. Uh, I actually don't hate Freeman um, with C.J. Mosley out. Um, that's kind of the backbone of Baltimore's defense. We saw... The, the Bengals really walk all over them uh, on Thursday night uh, without him. Um, Jimmy Smith's still out. So I, I think both of these running backs are going to be flex plays. I, I do think Lindsey has more upside, but I could see this being a grinded out kind of game. Um, they want to, you know, limit Keenum's uh, throwing attempts after that poor showing. So, uh, by the way, sorry for that awful call on Case Keenum last week. I definitely had him as a viable streaming candidate, uh, a guy to add off waivers. Um, I actually started him over, over Tom Brady in a league, so uh, that did not work out great. But, again, um, I would not start him here on the road. Uh, but in my defense, there was a receiving touchdown by the Broncos that was ruled incomplete that could have gone either way. 
Uh, and Keenum did salvage his day with a rushing touchdown. So if you're absolutely de desperate, he's still a, t a QB2 streamer. Um, in terms of the wide receivers, I do agree they're both talented enough to still bail him out, and I would still have both as low-end wide receiver two plays here. Um, and then, yeah, that's all I got. Baltimore ran into some trouble versus Cincinnati and could have more trouble here. Uh, Alex Collins split the workload, nine carries for 35, with three catches for 55, to Buck Allen, six carries for eight yards and a goal-line touchdown with five, uh, five catches on seven targets for 36 yards. Neither is better than a flex with a slight preference to me uh, for Allen, actually, in a PPR. Sorry, uh, sorry, Alex Collins drafters. Brown and Crabtree are lower-end flex options this week, and while this is classically a good tight end matchup versus Denver, they're using four different tight ends on this team. How do you count on that? You, you can't. Don't be fooled by the target totals for, uh, for John Brown and Michael Crabtree. Joe Flacco is not throwing the ball 55 times again maybe not this season definitely not this week who's who's the seahawks kicker again because that is a big big boy uh sebastian janikowski oh, yeah. the, uh, oh they have janikowski the, the, now That's the right. old rookie or he, the old the, the old veteran man he could fill in at fullback that is whew. yeah unfortunately uh, he's about as fast as uh uh brian robinson or something <laughs> Um, anyway, back to Baltimore here. Uh, he just caught me off guard. That is, he's an absolute unit. But uh, Baltimore, <laughs> Baltimore has decided to use Buck Allen as their goal line back for some reason. Uh, I don't know why exactly, but he's scoring touchdowns for them. So I, I see no reason why they are going to change this in the near future. Um, until such time, uh, both Collins and Allen are just mid-range RB3 or flex plays. Uh, honestly, I, I don't have a preference here. Um, I think this could go either way. It's really going to depend on who scores a touchdown. I Honestly, uh, the same goes for Crabtree and Brown. They're both low-end wide receiver three plays here. Um, but they do have some upside given how poorly the Broncos have been playing despite squeaking out two wins. You know, I... Just thinking about it, I don't understand it either. With Buck Allen being a pass-catching back, you would think Alex Collins would get those carries, but maybe it's uh, maybe it's a ball security thing. Like he, Alex Collins would be the better back in those situations, but I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that he has ball security issues, but he, he has fumbled in some big spots in the past. Maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe. I mean, it, it's possible that the know, coach, he's, he's still is earning no the coach's trust or something along those lines. But yeah. regardless, in my opinion, these are two mismanaged running back situations. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> give me Baltimore. Uh, said the salty Royce Freeman owner. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will take Baltimore as well. Royce Freeman is not. If he was like Legarrette Blunt, okay. If he was like Legarrette Blunt, I would get it. But he is not. He can catch passes. He's dynamic. He's fast. He's quick to the outside. He's good on the inside. Philip Lindsay needs to find his place on the pine. I mean, if they had Flinters a better, if they had a better quarterback, it could be like a Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler situation. But the offense just isn't good enough to support both of them. That's the problem. No, no, it's not. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. Local boy, nice story. I'm sorry, Philip. I don't. It's not. It's nothing personal. It's just business. New York Giants at the Houston Texans. Well, the, the Giants are worse than I even thought they were. Dallas barely has a team on the field, but the Giants just can't make it happen. Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram leading the team in all categories. Of course, I like them every week. 
Not much to say here. Oh, uh, uh, Sterling Shepard should be firmly planted on your bench for now, preferably next to Philip Lindsay. But you know. Yeah, I think one one of the best comments, maybe the best comment I saw on Twitter this this weekend. Um, as good as the Ryan Fitzpatrick post-game press conference was, and we'll get to that in just a little bit, uh, I think <laughs> the best tweet I saw was that, uh, for those of you that didn't hear, Vontae Davis retired at halftime. Yes. Um, he just he said he realized he just couldn't play at, at an NFL level anymore. And the best comment I saw was that Eli Manning should have retired at halftime. <laughs> so mean that's um, so rude but honestly manning looks like he's got one foot in the grave uh, and that drags down this entire giants offense you know to in his defense the blocking isn't the greatest but still i mean he, he's got to make something happen uh you know he he's expected to as a starting quarterback um saquon Time barkley to sell your uh, dynasty shares of odell beckham or no no, I don't think so. Um, we've seen that Beckham is just fine, even with a terrible Eli Manning. Uh, he'll get his, um, and especially in Dynasty, sooner rather than later, I'd imagine he's getting a new quarterback. Yeah, it can only go up from here. Yeah, and of course the big winner here is going to be Saquon Barkley, uh, basically a check-down magnet for Eli as soon as he even feels a little gust of wind blow by his offensive line. Um, to be fair, uh, you know the blocking was atrocious, but still. Uh, but like I said, you're not benching Odell Beckham. As for Evan Ingram, I, I think this was a bit of an outlier here. I, I don't imagine that Ingram's going to be this productive for the whole season, but I do have him as a mid-range tight end one this week against the Houston defense that got demolished by Gronk in week one. Uh, Delaney Walker, had he had been healthy, I have no doubt uh, would have done the same this past week, even though Tennessee didn't do much against Houston. Um, I think Eli will be fine to find Evan Ingram for some big gains this week, even if Manning himself is limited. Sure. And Deshaun Watson on the Houston side gave you a 22-point day, 310 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception with 50 yards rushing. He's a fine start, of course, because he keeps that rushing, uh, rushing floor, but just not looking like the guy that we saw last year. Lamar Miller carried the ball for 68 yards on 14 carries to L. Blue's seven carries for 36 yards. Miller's a low-end running back, too. Filler and Hopkins both exploded for 110 yards and a touchdown apiece on 9 and 11 targets, respectively. We all love DeAndre Hopkins, but now Watson has shown us that he can consistently use his wide receiver, too, with a nice game for Ellington last week. Uh, good games for Fuller last year. Fuller has a uh, good upside as a flex with constant ability uh, to break one for a touchdown with that speed. Um, yeah, I, th I think you pretty much covered here, uh, covered everything here with Houston. Uh, don't have much to add. Give me the Texans at home against 77-year-old Eli Manning. Give me the Texans. Uh, the Battle of L.A. kicks off our 4 o'clock Eastern through 3 o'clock Central games. Uh, the game for the Chargers versus Buffalo was never in doubt. This one should be more fun, even more if Joey Bose is available. L.A. is a great, great defense, uh, but the, the Rams, I mean. But Rivers will have to throw and score points regardless. Um, don't be afraid to start him, as he should have a fine fantasy day on a possibly shaky real football day. Uh, and if you caught that, I meant to say Chargers in that last sentence. Darn these confusing games. Uh, look for Keenan Allen's targets to return to wide receiver one numbers as they move him around the field. 
avoid the other pass catchers here, though. Uh, Mike Williams continues to progress with a touchdown this past game, only two targets. He may become a factor later this season. I really like his talent. Uh, we just need to see it first before you can put it in a lineup. Melvin Gordon's the running back one with a billion more touches coming this season. I would not start Eckler here. There will not be garbage time to benefit from. L.A. will be defending very well. If Gordon's fully healthy, I don't see them taking him off the field that much this week. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Melvin Gordon uh, suffered that neck strain, it sounds like. Um, but, you know, they were blowing out the bills at that point, so there's no reason to risk his health and put him back in. It sounds like he's probable to go this week, but definitely something to just keep an eye on the practice reports here. Um, obviously, Eckler would be a very large upside play uh, if he were to miss this game. But, <coughs> uh, excuse me. Um, but I, I do like Eckler regardless as a flex here. Um, as, and I actually like Mike Williams as well. Um, I think the Rams are going to put up points, a lot of points, quite frankly, on the charges here, uh, which is going to mean that they're going to kind of be in catch-up mode again like they were against Kansas City in week one. Uh, like you said, I could see Rivers struggling with a few picks here on the road and, and taking some hits left and right. Uh, but I, I do agree that the volume is going to keep him as a low-end QB1 this week in fantasy. Uh, you certainly can't bench Keenan Allen, but uh, I wouldn't expect a huge day from him here either. See, I expect the exact opposite there. I think they creatively move Allen around on the offense and will get him the ball more. And playing a defense like the, the Rams will hurt Mike Williams' value even more based on the way that these two players play and the, the way their usage has been in games thus far. But we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would expect them to focus more on stopping Allen, which would lead to a few more openings for Mike Williams potentially, especially because... Um, Allen is so good out of the slot, but the Rams actually have very good safeties. Um, you know, they play LaMarcus Joyner and John Johnson, and, and they're pretty good at covering that position. I, I just think that this is going to be more of a Mike Williams game than a Keenan Allen game. I see a bet brewing, but I don't think you're saying that you have Williams as more points than Allen. I don't... Or anything like... Yeah. Not necessarily I know that, that. This is a tough one. That, that's a tough one to, to make a sort of bet on. I'd like to, but right. I don't think we can. Uh, it would need to be like a like a line almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, forget it. As yeah. for the Rams, uh, the Rams got to beat down on the Redbirds this week. I tried to come up with a wimpier name for the Cardinals, but Cardinals, you know, let, let's... Coming down to it, Cardinals are a little flittery around like Redbird. They're, they're pretty wimpy anyways. Um... <laughs> Okay. Points were had in bunches. Cool. Todd, <laughs> Todd, Todd Curley. Yeah, wait, wait, sorry. Before before you, you move on agree. here, close. Before you move what? on, just a fun fact since you seem very fascinated by Cardinals. Did you know the red the red ones are actually just the males to attract the females? The females are actually a dull brown. Is that a fact? I had no idea. That is correct wow. because it is the state well, bird of Illinois. That is also true. Well, the, uh, the Cardinals are looking more of a dull brown right now and not to say they're looking <laughs> female but i'm saying they're looking like they're looking a little dookie-ish if you catch my drift uh todd Gurley, three touchdowns in three quarters of play only jared goff was good um, but is a sit for me this week versus la goff is actually using cooks pretty effectively this year or at least he did this past week seven catches 159 yards on nine targets Look for a tougher week versus the Chargers secondary, I think. Uh, I still like Cup in the flex. 
And Woods is a risky play this week, much like uh, Cooks is against these corners. But Cooks definitely has the stronger talent based on his floor. Yeah, like I said, uh, I'm not worried about the Rams putting up points here in this game. Uh, I, I'd actually start Goff over Rivers if that's a bet that you want to make. Uh, Goff over Rivers? Fantasy yeah, points okay, this week? Fine. Okay, I'll take Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Okay. Um, as for Gurley, of course, you're starting him. Uh, I actually like Cooks a lot in this matchup. I've got him as a high and wide receiver, too. I'm expecting a big day from him, uh, especially given what Tyree Kill did to them in week one. Uh, I've got Cup as a high and wide receiver, three, and Woods as a low and wide receiver, three, but with upside. Really, the Rams here, they utilize all their wide receivers in a, in a lot of different ways, and they're all startable in fantasy. So give me the Rams at home. Yeah, I think the difference maker here is is uh, Todd Gurley. I think he uh, grinds his game out and and just makes it happen. Yeah, I mean, can't can't bet against Todd Gurley here. Our Chicago Bears against the Arizona Redbirds, Cardinals. I guess we're uh, we're going there, Brownbirds. Um, this has been a fun game so far tonight. We're learning a lot about uh, what the Bears are trying to do. Uh, here's some comparison stats: seven carries for 13 rushing yards. For uh, Jordan Howard, nine targets, six catches, 49 yards for Allen Robinson. Matt Nagy is smart. He uses a good game plan. He he knows that the Seattle's cornerbacks are not what they once were, and he is trying to use Allen Robinson the best of his abilities. Problem is, Allen Robinson is going to see a healthy dose of Patrick Peterson this week, and I think Matt Nagy is smart enough to stay away from that if he can't scheme him out of those sort of matchups. The problem there is Patrick Peterson follows guys around. He uh, followed Keenan Allen around. He follows he follows guys around. He's a, he's a follower. He's a bit of a stalker, if you are. Um, I, I see a big day for Jordan Howard coming, both rushing and receiving. Really like him here. Uh, I think this might be a decent day for Tara Cohen in the flex. Yeah, it's hard to rank Allen Robinson because, you know, Patrick Peterson, we don't know if he's going to follow him around. Um I have him as a boomer bust wide receiver three here, depending on how the coverage goes. Uh, certainly like Howard a lot here in a game where they should be leading. Um, Cohen I have as a flex play, and Burton should be a mid to high end tight end too. He got that goal line play here tonight. Um, and, of course, I love the Bears' defense if they're still available against, you know, it's a dream matchup against a fragile Sam Bradford and a, and a terribly uncreative offensive coordinator here. All right, uh, I'm not going to kick a dead horse while it's already six feet under the ground pushing daisies. Larry Fitzgerald injured. Derek, uh, David Johnson scored six points free last week. Coaching did say they were going to line him out in the slot more, so he should be able to preserve some sort of value for you, at least hopefully have running back two type numbers, maybe running back one. He is very good. Uh, Chicago's defense is, is just pretty good, by the way. Sorry, Arizona fans. Yeah, I mean, really, David Johnson's just a mid-range RB2 right now, given the poor state of this Cardinals offense and Johnson's lack of usage in the passing game. Um, as you said, no need to no need to beat a dead horse here. Uh, Fitzgerald, he's got a hamstring strain, but it sounds minor. He was able to finish the game last week against the Rams, and he is likely to play, but just a flex option right now with upside and PPR if he gets enough target volume, but certainly wouldn't feel great about starting him. Uh, just depends on your options here. Uh, one more fun fact. Uh, the, I believe at the last time I checked, uh, Arizona is the second largest uh, population of native Chicagoans outside of Chicago. 
So certainly uh, the crowd noise uh, may not be as bad as normally uh, for home or excuse me for normal away teams in Arizona. Uh, but regardless, a of, yeah, a lot of Chicago Arizona connections. A lot of a uh, lot of uh, snowbirds fly from Chicago to go live in Arizona, Phoenix area in the springtime. Actually, the Arizona Cardinals started as a football franchise in Chicago. They're named Cardinals because uh, because the state bird of Illinois is uh, the cardinal. Oh, I, I love all these fun Cardinals facts tonight. There we go. On to the next one. Well, Dallas, wait, wait, who's your pick? Who's your pick? Oh, I'm sorry. Your Chicago Bears. I thought I said it already. I'm sorry. You're right. Bear down. Yep. Uh, a little shameless plug here. Uh, they just opened uh, a Portillo's or two in Arizona as well. So uh, if you're out there, uh, check it out. But uh, Khalil Mack and Jordan Howard are certainly going to eat this week. Another pl- another shameless plug, Butterfield's, a very delicious diner in both Chicagoland area and the Phoenix area. Go eat it. You'll love me. You'll thank me later. <laughs> all right, let, let's get back on track here. <laughs> <laughs> we could do this all day. Uh, Dallas at Seattle. Uh, Dak could be a sneaky stream this week, but with zero teams on the bye, why would you ever risk that? Ezekiel Elliott's a running back one. He puts this team on his back. All 53 of them, all practice, all seven practice squad players. He, he's got a really big back, and he scores points with it. Yep. The only player I want to be starting on Dallas is Zeke, pure and simple here. All the receivers have inconsistent target shares in a bad offense. Uh, someone might eventually emerge here, but until then, it's just Zeke. All right, Seattle tonight. We might see some more Russell Wilson magic versus a good pass rush. I'm hoping not. <clears throat> hoping Khalil Mack and company can shut that down, but Wilson always makes it happen in the fourth quarter. Let's uh, let's let's not forget that. Um, hopefully we can see some little more of this progression of the backfield of carry split between Carson and the rookie Rashad Penny. I like Penny's talent over Chris Carson's. Um, Penny has two rushes to Carson's six right now, and Penny was in a little more on passing downs, but nothing much coming out of either of them. Uh, Seattle being held only three points so far this game. Uh, Tyler Lockett will probably be a decent, good wide uh, wide receiver three option versus Dallas. That's about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Penny will eventually be the better guy for fantasy, but you're certainly not starting either of them right now. Um, despite no Doug Baldwin, I'm still ranking Wilson as a low-end QB1. He's just too good to bench here for fantasy purposes. Uh, I, you know, I did like Lockett slightly more, but it looks like Brandon Marshall's getting used a lot more than him tonight. Um, I, I would, it's that revenge game. Yeah, but I, I mean, as far as we know, uh, that's not bound to change. So for now, they're both you know risk-reward wide receiver fours, but I would prefer Marshall over lockets um and then of course i'm not a will disley believer but he has some upside as a tight end two streamer dallas gave up a lot of plays to evan ingram and even though disley doesn't have the same level of athleticism he can get open all right uh give me seattle here at home i will take seattle at home also Kicking off Sunday night football, uh, New England at Detroit. Great call by Monk about New England this uh, week against the Jags. New England should go into Detroit angry, ready to play. But will Matt Patricia be able to stifle the offense he called defenses against in uh, practice the past few years? Uh, my guess is a decisive no. Uh, absolutely not. Sorry, bud. Sorry, uh, the bearded wonder is not going to get it done. Uh 
Brady, Gronk, Burkhead, and White are good to go for me if healthy. I'd hang on to Sony Michelle for a week just to see what the plans are for the talented rookie. And, of course, we, we may never find out week to week with this Patriots running back uh, decisions from a week to week basis. I think Chris Hogan's going to be fine after that one catch week one scare. He followed up nicely with 42 yards and two touchdowns on three catches in week two. I expect him to be just fine here. Yeah, especially if Darius uh, Slay still misses time with that concussion. Yep. Um, you know, I was nervous for week two for the Patriots, and that's why I picked Jacksonville, even though I didn't want that to happen. But here we are. Um, unfortunately, it was pretty accurate how that game played out. And I also had Brady uh, ranked just as a high-end QB2. And unfortunately, that was even more optimistic than I thought it would be because he was the quarterback 17 in fantasy this week. Uh, the good <laughs> news is the Lions are not the Jaguars. And uh, even though I am a bit nervous with Patricia, knowing Brady's tendencies and the Patriots playbook after having been the defensive coordinator there for so long, uh, Brady's still a mid-range quarterback one in fantasy. You're, you're playing him this week against, quite frankly, not a very good defense, despite pr- Patricia's reputation here. Um, actually, He's like, not out there making the plays. Uh, the Detroit's defenders have to do it. Correct, and they, they don't have a whole lot of talent on there. I'm sorry, Detroit. Lions players um, but I do like both Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle as high end flex plays I think their run defense has really struggled so I expect more rushing touchdowns for the Patriots here than passing touchdowns um, Josh Gordon we need to at least talk about uh, I don't expect him to play a ton this week if he is active um, both due to the hamstring recovery and just not knowing the playbook yet um, he, he needs to be you know he needs to earn Brady's trust before he's going to get those targets uh, really, you're, you're going to have to be super desperate or in a very deep league to start Gordon this week. Uh, essentially, you're going to be hoping that they put him in on a few goal line plays or an end of the first half Hail Mary or something like that. Um, I do like Hogan as a wide receiver two and Dorsett as a wide receiver three uh, in a pretty good matchup. I think Josh McDaniel is going to triumph over Matt Patricia this week when it's all said and done. Uh, and, of course, Gronk was very limited by a very good defense. You're starting him. Yeah, Gordon owner, sorry, but he, he needs to belong firmly on your bench for now. Um, you can't go in before seeing him actually suit up for a game and actually getting into a game and playing well. There is a clause in the trade that happened with New England that if Josh Gordon plays more than 10 games, then uh, if Gordon plays fewer than 10 games, then the Browns send the Patriots an additional draft pick. We see how the uh, Patriots run their organization. Don't think that that will not affect things. Bill Belichick knows that he's got this division uh, wrapped up with a bow against Miami, the Jets, and Buffalo. Come on. Oh, I don't know. Miami's winning right now in the AFC East. Oh, Oh, I'm scared. Yeah, and Buffalo was in the playoffs last year. Look at that. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Hey, they almost beat Jacksonville. That's true. That's true. As for Detroit. Uh, they gave us much more what we were expecting to see in week two. They, they just needed a mulligan on week one. They still lost, but the offense was much, much better. Matt Stafford's a good quarterback stream option at home this week, I think. And I like the upsides of all three wide receivers. They're each getting a ton of targets. Matt Stafford hasn't connected deep with, uh, Matt, uh, with Marvin Jones on a touchdown yet, but he will sometime soon. They will. It's a matter of time. Honestly, I don't really think you can go wrong. I like 
Kenny Galladay, but I think he's probably a bit overvalued right now just because of recency bias in, in value of these guys. Tate and Jones are getting some undeserved shade. Don't really understand why there's not much hype up on, uh, on uh, Golden Tate right now. He's getting he's getting tons of targets. I really, really like what I'm seeing from Carrion Johnson. If it weren't for these darn other running backs hanging around, uh, I, like LeGarrette Blount and Theoretic, uh, I'm not really advocating starting Blunt, despite his role as the starter. Riddick is probably the best play this very week. I'd flex him this week. But if you can get on Johnson on the cheap, I, I think I would do it for late in the season. He looks really good to my eye test. Yeah, and Riddick did um, finish out the game, but uh, good, good to note that he did suffle. Like, ah, suffle, ah. Uh, he did suffer an ankle injury Stubble. against the Niners. <laughs> so, um, again, even though he, he was able to return for that last drive, um, Riddick may or may not play this week. So if he is out, then Johnson would be a desperation RB3 play. He, he Like you said, he did look very good. Um, Stafford should be a decent quarterback one uh, against the New England defense that seems to have basically no pass rush and a secondary seemingly filled with holes. Um, we've seen in the past that the Patriots defense generally takes a while to kind of come together. So they clearly have not done that just yet. Uh, I have no qualms about starting Stafford. And as you said, um, really, I like all of the Detroit wide receivers. This situation reminds me kind of like the Rams wide receivers. All three are startable in fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. I would rank them as such with Golden Tate um, as a mid-range to high-end wide receiver two, Galladay's a high-end wide receiver three, and then Jones is a high upside, low-end wide receiver three. Sure, absolutely. And as far as I'm concerned, Detroit has no tight end. No, I, I, I don't see one on the roster. I don't know if you do. Uh, I will take the Patriots on the road here. Give me the Patriots. Pittsburgh at Tampa Bay, Monday night football showdown. Pittsburgh was on the losing side of a huge offensive game which is fine for your fantasy team, 450 yards, three touchdowns for Ben at home. Fade your expectations on the road on Monday night. Big days for Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver one and wide receiver two, respectively. If you've got them, start them. The biggest issue is what the heck do Le'Veon Bella owners do without their first rounder? I hope he comes back soon, but, but we've given you plenty of waiver wire options so far to try and plug the gap. I, I know losing you know the first or second overall pick is a... It's a big, big challenge, but hey, God bless you. Good luck. I mean, could be worse. You could have David Johnson. <laughs> that's that's very true. <laughs> um, but really, I mean, Big Ben had a slow start, but Big Ben at home is usually good for some touchdowns, and he delivered as promised, finished with a great fantasy day. Uh, I am dropping him to a high-end QB2 this week, though. While it might be a shootout again between Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, uh, Road Ben likes to throw multiple interceptions. Uh, we'll exactly. See, we'll see what happens. Um, you're starting James Conner and, and Antonio Brown, but I will mention that both of these guys did have some injury issues. We saw Conner missed a few series towards the end of the Kansas City game and was getting stretched out on the sideline. Um, Steven Ridley filled in, so just a name to monitor. Uh, it looks like a hamstring issue. I'm not. I'm not a doctor or anything, but the way he was getting stretches, uh, I haven't seen any mention of it anywhere on on Twitter or anything. So potentially not a big deal, especially with the Steelers having an extra day to rest playing Monday night. Similarly, Antonio Brown had a calf issue, was seen limping a little bit on the sideline. 
Uh, Brown should be fine as well, but definitely worth checking up on both of these guys throughout the week. They're crucial players in your fantasy lineup, of course. And if Brown were to miss time, then I think Juju Smith-Schuster would become a wide receiver one each week as long as Brown is out. And you're starting Juju as a wide receiver too, even if Brown plays. The other thing is the rookie James Washington. He'll be interesting if Antonio Brown were to miss any time. And then finally, I'm not one to take victory laps, but we did mention Jesse James last week towards the very end of the podcast, uh, by the way, which is why you should listen all the way through. Uh, Mm -hmm. But one of the guys we mentioned on the waiver wire section last week, we discussed James as an upside tight end streamer in PPR with a very good matchup against Kansas City. And he came through in a high scoring game, even though Vance McDonald played as well. As for the Tampa Bay side of the football, Tampa Bay took down the defending champs at home. And this is another fun matchup. This should be a great primetime high scoring game. Two of the top offenses in the league with defenses that like to allow touchdowns. The running backs have been unusable for Tampa Bay, and I would not touch them this week either. Mike Evans had another nice week, 10 catches, 12 targets, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Deshaun Jackson got through concussion protocol to hang four catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Godwin got in on the action, five catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown. And even O.J. Howard turned in a really nice running catch, three, uh, three catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. If you're hurting for a flex, This is the team to look at. Chris Godwin may give you zero points, but he may also very legitimately give you 20. And heck, it could be fun being down big in the last game, you know, last game heading out of week three, and then shutting up your opponent as Deshaun Jackson gets loose deep for two 70-yard touchdowns, giving you the win. That's what fantasy's made of. Yeah, I I don't know if Tampa Bay has a a fight song or anything, but if they're in need of one, I would nominate uh, that song that goes like, oh, 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 Fitzmagic. Just something to consider. But uh, really, Ryan Fitzpatrick was, was this close, this close to being our first ever repeat Gillette Close Shave Player of the Week. Um, I, I wanted to do it, but I, I just can't. Pat Mahomes, man, too good. But, uh, you know, if you chose to ignore our advice from last week's podcast and roll the dice on a Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, repeat finish as a, an amazing fantasy QB1, congrats. Um, the Bucks kept rolling, and as they say in Vegas, uh, let it ride. Uh, I see no reason not to start Fitzpatrick again this week uh, against a decent matchup at home uh, if you're in need of quarterback help. The Steelers aren't really a daunting matchup here, and while Fitzpatrick might turn back into a pumpkin at any time, I'm, I'm trusting in the man channeling major Conor McGregor vibes in his post-game press conference. Uh, a quarterback with swag like that and an arm like that is worth rolling with in fantasy. Uh, as for the running game, uh, not quite as much magic there. Peyton Barber got most of the workload with 16 carries, but it didn't really matter as he averaged a dismal 1.4 yards per carry. Uh, Barber's droppable for me. He might get the workload, but there's just nothing there. Um, But really, who needs a running game when you've got Ryan McGregor? I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, (laughs) Mike Evans is a wide receiver one, uh, and both Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin are both wide receiver threes. I mean, they've got upside as long as Fitzpatrick is willing to air it out. And even though I think Godwin's going to get more and more usage as the season goes on, for now I would still lean Deshaun Jackson if I had to choose for this week. Um, It seems like Fitzpatrick has a little bit more chemistry with him. 
And then, of course, O.J. Howard with that long catch-and-run touchdown. Uh, he'll be a boomer bust tight end, too. Neither he nor Cameron Bray got many targets, but as we saw, Howard's got that big play upside. Yeah, heading into the picking this game, I, I thought maybe I was going a little crazy, but I realized, you know, Pittsburgh is on the road. We get road Ben. Uh, we've seen Tampa put up oodles and oodles of points, and we just saw Pittsburgh tie the Browns. So I thought I might have been coming in a little crazy thinking Tampa Bay had a shot. Then I looked at uh, the line, and Pittsburgh's only favored by a point and a half. So I'm, I'm sticking with this upset, quote-unquote, pick of the week for me and going with Tampa Bay. My name is Mung, and I believe in Fitzmagic. <laughs> Give Tartain. me Tampa Bay. Give me Tampa Bay. Tartain touchdowns. Tartain your bye weeks teams for this week are none, of course, uh, and that concludes our bye team segment. Yeah, um, kick it off with the injury report here. Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's still recovering from that left knee sprain. He looked okay against the tough Vikings defense. Uh, he should be fine against Washington this week. Uh, he's probable to play. Uh, Carson Wentz with that ACL-MCL rehab. It was reported earlier today that Carson Wentz will start week three. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I would consider, you know, potentially selling him. If, if you happen to draft another quarterback like Mahomes or Cousins who's lighting it up right now, um, you know, Philadelphia's offensive line a little banged up and their wide receiver depth is not very good right now. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be an elite fantasy option even though he's back healthy. Uh, Marcus Mariota here, uh, that elbow contusion. Uh, it sounds like he's questionable again this week. Uh, Gabbert started week two. Again, he wasn't doing great before he got hurt. Uh, Mariota's droppable for me in shallower leagues. For the running backs, Todd Gurley had some muscle cramps, left the game versus Arizona, but it was a blowout. He was probable play, uh, to play week three. Um, I doubt they were anything that uh, that uh, worrisome. Melvin Gordon with a neck strain, similar to Gurley. Gordon left, but it was a blowout, probable for week three. Leonard Fournette with his hamstring sprain, uh, strain, Questionable for week three. Missed week two. Jacksonville still won, so they might play it safe. Make sure he's 100% before playing him. Keep an eye on practice reports this week. Uh, TJ Yeldon is a fantasy option as long as Fournette is out. Dalvin Cook with a hamstring cramp. Questionable for week three. He left an important game but did not return for two crucial overtime drives. So this is something to monitor. Minnesota gets a layup playing Buffalo at home this week, so they may just choose to play it safe. Uh, and give Cook an extra week. If he is out, Latavius Murray will be a will a uh, will be a high end running back two, possibly a running back one against Buffalo this week if Cook doesn't play at all. Devontae Freeman with that knee contusion out two to four weeks. Obviously, Tevin Coleman is a fantasy running back two or one in Freeman's absence. I don't know that you'll get much if you try to sell Freeman, but I'd give it a shot. I'm very nervous about his durability the rest of the season. Even if he plays, Atlanta may use Coleman more to try and preserve. Freeman's health for a potential playoff run. Joe Mixon had right knee surgery out two to four weeks. Sounded relatively minor. Full details weren't really released. So if the Mixon owner in your league's panicking, I'd, I'd see about trading for Mixon if you're confident in your team winning without him the next few weeks. Darren Sproles with a hamstring strain. Missed two weeks with this injury. Questionable for week three. You weren't really relying on him anyways, but if he misses a few weeks, this could boost Ajayi and Clement a bit. Jay Ajayi with a back injury, questionable for week three. Ajayi was in and out of the game against Tampa, but he saved his fantasy owners with a touchdown. Like I said after week one, I would have sold high on Ajayi 
I'd still sell if somebody's willing to buy, even if Sproles misses some time. Philly's going to keep using a running back by committee, so you're hoping for a touchdown if you start a Jai. Of course, you could roll the dice and hope they score a lot with Wentz uh, back this week. LaShawn McCoy with that cracked rib cartilage, questionable for week three. His own 350-pound offensive lineman fell onto him, but reports are he might play this uh, this week or miss one game max. Either way, I would not be starting an injured McCoy versus Minnesota this week. There are better options on your waiver wire. Yep, and uh, kicking off the wide receivers, we got Antonio Brown with that calf injury. Uh, he's probable for week three. It seems minor again, uh, but definitely something to mention when you're talking about superstars like Brown. Uh, he has played through minor injuries before, but again, he was limping a little bit on the sidelines, so worth keeping an eye on this. Uh, Juju would become an instant fantasy wide receiver one if Brown were to miss time. And again, James Washington could be a flex play with upside as well. Uh, we got Larry Fitzgerald here with that hamstring strain, also probable for week three. He played through it and finished the game. But again, this Cardinals offense was already looking pretty terrible, so I wouldn't expect a huge game from Fitzgerald regardless. Marquise Goodwin uh, had that quad contusion, contusion he suffered in week one. Um, questionable for this week. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot more info on this other than him being out week two, so stay tuned for reports out of San Francisco this week. Doug Baldwin with that grade two partial MCL tear. Uh, he's definitely out for week three and likely another two or three weeks after that. Alshon Jeffrey coming back from that rotator cuff surgery. Uh, he's questionable as well, but he hasn't had any full practices yet. Uh, probably on the doubtful side here. Um, he did start doing individual drills, but Doug Peterson said he's still week to week, so stay tuned again for more reports out of Philadelphia here. Dante Moncrief with a knee injury suffered against the Patriots. He's questionable for week three. Uh, you weren't starting Moncrief anyway, but if he is out, then Keelan Cole becomes a little bit more reliable as wide receiver three. Mike Wallace has a high ankle sprain, likely out at least a few weeks, if not the season. But again, he wasn't doing much anyway. He's fine to drop. And then Josh Gordon. I honestly have no idea what to think about Gordon at this point. Uh, obviously, he's always got that high, high ceiling. But now that he's in New England, I imagine he's going to be schemed open. But he's going to need to heal from that hamstring injury, and he's going to need to earn Tom Brady's trust supposedly Gordon showed up not himself to a photo session leading Cleveland to suspect that he was on something or other um, again as you mentioned there is a clause that New England gets a late round pick back uh, if he starts fewer than 10 games for them personally I'm avoiding Gordon but if you hold on to him because uh, you drafted him uh, you, that's certainly fine if you have the bench space uh, then then again I have no problem either if you dropped him if in redraft if you need some wins now and you have other needs. Could could you imagine if this pans out, though, having to match up against Edelman, Hogan, Gordon on the outside, and Gronk on the inside? I'm pretty sure if Gordon were to, were to work out, I think Belichick would just run, like, empty set formations, like, half of the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very... I, he could just do, I mean... It's sort of like, I mean, he's not Randy Moss. I'm, don't go crazy. I'm not making this comparison, but it's it's like having that Randy Moss player back on the team. Yeah, even if he and, doesn't catch that many passes, I mean, he, the defense is going to need to account for him. Crazy. All right, tight ends. Greg Olson, a confirmed foot fracture out at least four to six weeks. He did not have surgery, so there's a chance he will play in a 
play again this year. If you're 2-0 after this week and have a roster spot to spare, I'd hold on to him and hope he might have some second-half value for you. But if you need wins now or have shallow rosters, I would not lose any sleep dropping him either. These type of foot fractures do not typically go over well. That's why he re-injured it. And kickers we don't typically talk about, but uh, when a kicker has a groin injury like Greg Zerline does, and they're a very good kicker like Greg Zerline is, that's, you know, pretty relevant. Questionable for week three. This isn't like the back injury that put him on the IR last year, so he could just be back in a week or two. Even so, despite being a top three kicker, I probably would not hold on to two kickers. Just depends on your league and roster sizes, your IR spots regardless. I'd hold on to Zerline until Sunday morning and then uh, make a swap out at that time. The Rams play mid-afternoon, but we should know more by Sunday morning. So don't drop them early. There's plenty of kickers available to swap at the last minute. Yep. Um, now we're going to talk about the waiver wire ads. Um, first of all, if if somehow Patrick Mahomes is out there in your league, he's 91%, uh, 91.3% owned in ESPN leagues, 95% owned in Yahoo, but... If you're in one of that 5%, 9% of these leagues, uh, you're spending pretty much all your fab money to get him. I mean, do I really need to say any more here about Mahomes? Uh, Ryan nope. Fitzpatrick, 31.3% uh, owned in ESPN, 22% owned in Yahoo. Uh, Fitzmagic looks for real, and Pittsburgh's defense isn't stopping anyone so far, especially on the road. Again, don't fully trust him, but he's, in a, high, he's a high upside quarterback to stream if you need one. Uh, similarly, Andy Dalton and Joe Flacco. Dalton's 18.2% owned in ESPN, 27% owned in Yahoo. Uh, don't love him on the road at Carolina, but Dalton played well against Baltimore on a short week, and he's got 10 days to prep for this one. But more importantly, they may throw a little bit more, too, with Joe Mixon out. And Flacco, 8.5% owned in ESPN and 13% owned in Yahoo. Another unreliable quarterback streamer, but Flacco's played well, and so far on the season, he's a top-12 fantasy quarterback, and he's got a decent matchup at home against the Denver defense that couldn't stop Oakland for most of the game. Aaron Jones for running backs, kicking off the running back segment of this show. 45.6% owned in ESPN, 61% owned in Yahoo. Jamal Williams has not played well, and Green Bay seems to be limiting Ty Montgomery's touches as well. Jones may step into a running back by committee this week, but with Rodgers still hindered by his knee injury, Green Bay will likely want a little more reliability and productive run game to take the pressure off Rodgers. Jones may be able to provide that. He can be a weekly running back, too, down the line if he earns the coach's trust and gets even 60% of the touches in an offense led by Aaron Rodgers. Giovanni Bernard, 40% in ESPN, 27% owned in Yahoo. With Mixon out two to four weeks following his knee surgery, Bernard should be a workhorse in his stead and rack up decent running back two numbers in PPR. He's just a short-term answer, but Bernard should be a priority pickup for Mixon owners, or if you lost Devontae Freeman or LaShawn McCoy. Matt Breida, 61.9% and 61% Yahoo. Boy, that's that one's going to go for sure. He's not going to break a 66-yard touchdown every week, but this is an even split between Breida and Morris in the San Francisco backfield. He's a weekly running back three or flex play with Shanahan's offense scheming to optimize matchups for his explosive players. Philip Lindsay, 61% in ESPN, 69% Yahoo. Lindsay got more carries and more catches than Royce Freeman. He's a weekly running back three or flex option and should be owned in just about every league, unfortunately. Sony Michelle right now 65% owned in ESPN, 74% owned in Yahoo. We like the upside of, of New England running backs. We like the upside of highly drafted rookie running backs, that's for sure. 
Austin Eckler, 42% ESPN, 44% Yahoo. Gordon is still the guy, but Eckler is involved enough and dynamic enough that I've upgraded him to a near-weekly flex play. Devorius Allen, 18% ESPN, 8% Yahoo. For some reason, Baltimore seems to prefer Allen over Alex Collins in goal line situations, and Allen is the more used receiving back. He's a touchdown-dependent flex play, but with a decent floor in PPR. TJ Yeldon, 74% ESPN, 70% Yahoo. Fournette may return this week, but maybe not. Yeldon's a running back, too, in PPR anytime Fournette's out. Fournette seems to have nagging ankle and hamstring issues. Latavius Murray, 40% ESPN, 43% Yahoo. That number needs to go up. He is a priority ad who will be a running back one if uh, if Cook is not playing this game. They are playing the Buffalo Bills, to, to remind you. Corey Clement, 22% ESPN, 22% Yahoo. With Darren Sproles potentially out a few weeks and Ajayi questionable to play next week, Clement could be the lead back for Carson Wentz's first game back. I wouldn't spend a ton to get Clement, but worth a look if you can pick him up as a free agent after your waivers run. Yep, and as for the wide receivers here, we're going to start off with two guys that absolutely should be owned. Um, first off is Kenny Galladay, 69% ESPN, nice, 62% Yahoo. Detroit is using that wide receiver by committee, but uh, much like we said with the Rams, all three wide receivers are getting plenty of targets week to week. Galladay is a weekly wide receiver three, maybe even wide receiver two upside, absolutely needs to be owned. Um, same with Quincy Inunua here, 56.8% ESPN, 61% owned in Yahoo. Inunua is the most targeted Jets wide receiver here. Darnold's going to Inunua early and often, especially when the Jets are likely to trail in a lot of games. And much like Galladay, he's a weekly fantasy wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. A few more guys here. Chris Godwin, 34.1% owned in ESPN, 35% owned in Yahoo, and Deshaun Jackson, 61.1% owned in ESPN, 49% Yahoo. Jackson had the bigger day in fantasy, but Godwin actually had the second most targets behind Mike Evans. I'd still lean Deshaun Jackson for now over Godwin, but as long as Fitzpatrick is firing on all cylinders, both of these guys are going to be boomer bust wide receiver threes. Um, they have another good matchup this week at home against Pittsburgh, and both of them are startable flex. Tyler Lockett, 66.8% owned in ESPN, 68% Yahoo, and Brandon Marshall, 22.2% owned in ESPN, 48% Yahoo. Um, like the Tampa Bay wide receivers, both of them have some flex appeal while Doug Baldwin is out. Um, so far tonight, it seems like Brandon Marshall is going to get more of the targets here, so I would prefer him. John Brown, 23.9% owned in ESPN and 25% owned in Yahoo. Brown and Crabtree each got 10 targets at Cincinnati, and while I don't expect that kind of target volume every week, they're both clearly the 1A and 1B targets for Flacco here, and Brown can be a wide receiver 3 in PPR if he stays healthy. Antonio Callaway, 3.7% owned in ESPN, 6% Yahoo. Uh, this is more for deeper leagues or to keep an eye on him, but regardless of the reason why, um, Josh Gordon leaving Cleveland gives him a lot of opportunity to step into that number two role behind Landry. Callaway has the speed to make big plays, as we saw against New Orleans, and he could have even more upside if and when Baker Mayfield takes the field. <coughs> Keelan Cole here. 48.4% owned in ESPN, 49% owned in Yahoo. All the Jacksonville wide receivers are going to be a little bit boomer bust without a clear number one here, 
But again, if Dante Moncrief ends up missing some time with that knee injury, we saw what Cole can do with a large workload at the end of last year. He's another risk-reward wide receiver three option if Bortles can continue to play well. Tyler Boyd, 1.1% owned in ESPN, 2% owned in Yahoo. Again, I definitely wouldn't expect Boyd to tie A.J. Green in targets every week, but he seems to be the clear number two guy in Cincinnati for now. Again, I wouldn't go crazy getting him, but Boyd was a highly touted prospect just a couple years ago coming out of Pitt. He has definite potential if you're in a deeper league here. Mike Williams, 35.3% owned in ESPN, 60% in Yahoo. He only got two targets, but the Chargers were blowing out the Bills and really didn't need to call his number in a tougher matchup against the Rams. I'd expect Williams to see more action in Week 3. He's also one of their best red zone targets regardless and has that weekly touchdown upside. Again, just a boomer bust flex play for now, but we could see Williams break out and get more playtime over the other Chargers wide receivers as the season progresses. Geronimo Allison, 25.8% owned in ESPN, 31% in Yahoo. Allison's a clear number three guy behind Adams and Cobb. And this means he's a weekly wide receiver four with upside, especially if either of the other guys in Green Bay get hurt. Philip Dorsett, 27.7% ESPN, 24, excuse me, 24% Yahoo. It's going to take at least a week or two for Josh Gordon to get acquainted with Brady and the rest of the bunch. Um, he's the clear number two wide receiver behind Hogan as of right now, as long as Edelman is out. And then he's going to be a deep threat, and he's got that chemistry right now. Detroit is definitely a burnable secondary this week. DJ Moore, 22.6% owned in ESPN, 29% in Yahoo. Moore's an explosive rookie who's going to be a risk-reward play, but for deeper leagues, he's got upside given his speed. And finally, James Washington, 10.6% owned in ESPN, 3% Yahoo. Washington's just the third guy behind Brown and Juju right now at wide receiver, but he's an upside wide receiver five with wide receiver three potential if Antonio Brown were to miss any time with that calf injury. Definitely worth monitoring Washington for now, even though he doesn't need to be added yet, except in deeper leagues. To take this into our tight end segment, Eric Ebron, 36% owned in ESPN, 55% in Yahoo. Those Yahoo guys are just ahead of things there. Jack Doyle may get more targets each week, but a decent tight end, too, in PPR. Uh, uh, but Ebron has the higher ceiling week to week. He seems to be Luck's preferred red zone option. To me, he is the uh, superior athlete of the two as well. O.J. Howard, speaking of superior athlete, 21% owned in ESPN, 67% in Yahoo. Howard is still an unreliable tight end, too, splitting time with Cameron Brait, but you could do worse. He has the ability to make big plays, and he plays Pittsburgh this week, who just gave up a huge day. Two touchdowns, 100 yards to Travis Kelsey. And to go back to this segment, here is your low special, the guaranteed bona fide uh, tight end one, unowned tight end one in your league this week will be Janu Smith. The Titans, you heard me right, the Titans will fil- have to filter the ball to the middle of the field with Ramsey and Bouye covering the outside. And Janu Smith, once a, well- once a well-touted rookie, uh, once a well-touted guy to fill in for Delaney Walker once he got injured, did nothing last week, will have tight end one numbers this week with a number of catches and t- uh, touchdown upside this week. Yep, and then finally, uh, a couple kickers to note. Dan Bailey, uh 2.0% owned in ESPN and 6% owned in Yahoo. 
I have no idea why Bailey is rostered unless these are some inactive owners who auto-drafted. Uh, but I guess every fool has his day. Uh, Bailey's the <laughs> new kicker for Minnesota, and he should be a top 10 kicker for the rest of the season. And then finally, Sam Ficken. Uh, he'll be the one filling in for Greg Zerline, so if you need some kicker help, uh, he should be fine for at least this week. Um, he's got a lot of upside kicking for a high-octane offense with the Rams. And uh, if anyone owns Sam Ficken in your league, they're probably a time traveler. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe uh, uh, Bailey was owned in those all-kicker leagues. You just start 10 kickers and have a day. Yeah, I I have no idea. Uh, but regardless, uh, they're sitting pretty now, I guess. All right, that is going to end our waiver wire section. Um, again, uh, as as Los knows, uh, even if you're zero two to start the season, you should <laughs> you should hashtag trust the process. <laughs> oh, you jerk! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist the little jab there. Uh, we did face Ouch. each other in one of our leagues uh, this week, and I did come out on top. Yes. Um, but you put up a good that fight. That will change. By week, by week 13, that will change. We'll, All right. we'll meet again. We'll see. Um, but regardless, if you are 0-2, as I am in one league as well, um, despite scoring a lot of points, uh, you know, sometimes it just comes down to bad matchups, bad luck, whatever it is. Uh, it's only week two. You've got plenty of time to make the playoffs. Um, keep vigilant on that waiver wire. Uh, keep listening to the podcast and uh, feel free to tweet questions at us about your specific situation. You can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. You can find me at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. You can also find our producer, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan. We are also available on iTunes, Google, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device, whatever your preference, we're there for you. Click and subscribe. And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Good luck, and thanks, addicts. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Hey, Mike, what are you doing way up on that ladder? You're going to hurt yourself. Oh, I'm trying to unclog these gutters. That's smart. I had water damage from my gutters last year. It cost me ten grand. Yo, wait, $10,000? Yeah, and from over here, it looks like water's been pouring over your clogged gutters, and it's probably doing real damage to your foundation. You need to do what I did. Get off the ladder and call Leaf Filter. Yeah, but I need to get these gutters flowing now. That's why you need to call Leaf Filter. They'll clean and realign your gutters and install their exclusive micro-mesh screen system so nothing gets in your gutters except water. So Leaf Filter protects my house from damage and means no more gutter cleaning for me? Bingo! Plus Leaf Filter has an industry-leading lifetime warranty so your gutters are covered for life. Thanks, Frank. I'm calling Leaf Filter today. Don't go another day with your home unprotected. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com for your free gutter inspection. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com right now for an extra 15% savings. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com That's one 844 300 leaf.